Well, good morning. God is so good, isn't he? Wow. Well, before I introduce Rabbi Stewart, I just want to say we're so grateful to have another young man on the front row back from vacation. <laughs> Pastor Gabe, it's so good to have you back. I hope you had a great vacation. I hope you were refreshed and renewed. Now it's back to work. I'm cracking the whip. Well, we are so blessed to uh, have a kingdom connection with uh, Rabbi Stewart and his wife, Chantal. They have been part of Debbie's in my life for years and years and years, and our lives are better because of it. And God has, uh, has used them mightily in, in central New York, has moved them all over the world to continue to impact the world, and, and we, we wanted to be a part of it as, a, a, as Debbie and I, but also as us as a, a family, a church family. We wanted to support them, and, and God's done great things through Reach uh, Initiative International, and uh, today we're going to hear about some of those things, but we're going to hear from the heart of God. I, I have such great respect and honor for Rabbi Stewart. Uh, he has been used by God in my life often, and in, in times that were challenging and in times that were great. And so I would ask that, that you would stand. Let's honor and praise God for the gift of Rabbi Stewart. Love you, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. God deserves all the honor. He knows all my weaknesses and frailties. Please sit. And uh, I'm just, you know, honored and blessed that uh, he, I'll teach you a Yiddish word today. He uses, as my mom would call me, a shmagegi. Uh, yes, you qualify as well. And uh, we are shmagegis for the Lord. That means like, it's kind of a very affectionate word that kind of means I love you so much, but oy vey, why, you know, why do you do those things? Okay, so uh, so now you got your Yiddish lesson, but, uh, you know, it's a delight to be here. This is like a home away from home for me because, uh, you know, in life you have a lot of friends, you have a lot of brothers and sisters, but there's just some that kind of, stick with you and you with them and it's just kind of a God thing and it goes on decade after decade. That's how it is for uh, me and my wife Chantal who sends warm's gre warm greetings. Unfortunately, she's got a stomach bug and she's back in the hotel. She was supposed to be with us today uh, here. Um, but that's the way it is for us, me and Chantal and uh, Pastor Jeff and Deb and um, you know, we, it's it's not only that we get along, and you know, you can kind of like hang out and just be yourself, which is kind of a schmageggy, you know, <laughs> and you, you don't have to worry about your shirt being tucked in properly, you know, with friends like that. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's, it's, it's that and this special connection that Jeff said, it's a kingdom connection, and so, and all of you, you know, uh, we go back way back to the days of Crisis Pregnancy Center, many of us, when I was directing that. And I just want to uh, uh, say 
thank God that Roe versus Wade was overturned. I know it's still a battle, you know, in all the states, but thank God for that. That is a huge step forward, and I also want to just take the opportunity to uh, honor a dear friend of mine who just uh, uh, passed on to be with the Lord, a tremendous woman of God, servant of God, an example amongst women from my point of view. Jackie Wagner, who took over the leadership of the ministry and expanded the CareNet Pregnancy Center uh, ministry around, you know, through Syracuse and be Herkimer and beyond. Well, she's greatly missed, and she was on the Reach Initiative International Board as well, and so uh, I just honor her memory, and, and as Jewish people like to say, may her memory always be for a blessing and I know for all of us who knew her, her memory will always be for a blessing. What an example of a woman of God and a servant of God. So, uh, yeah, I see a lot of familiar faces here. It's just, uh, like I said, it's kind of home away from home. It's great to be here with you. And uh, we got back just a while ago from uh, being overseas. We were in... Israel, Romania, and Ukraine, Western Ukraine. Western Ukraine is really not being hit. Uh, and the city that we were in uh, has never been hit, fortunately, by, I know people are sometimes confused. You get different reports about what's going on. But let me just summarize it real quick for you. This is a brutal, evil invasion by Vladimir Putin and the Russian forces that is destroying the lives of millions of innocent civilians. Tens of thousands dead. Millions have had to leave their homes. And I'm in touch. You know, when I was, we lived in Belarus, which is just north of Ukraine, and uh, I can tell you the Belarusian people, especially the believers, are so heartbroken that their government allowed Russia to invade Ukraine from Belarusian land and still uses Belarusian land to this day as the war drags on to attack uh, via aircraft. And uh, they're brokenhearted that their land was used to uh, attack and kill these civilian people of, of Ukraine. And I'm in touch with uh, leaders throughout Ukraine, Messianic leaders, Christian pastors, because uh, I've spent a lot of time in Ukraine, even though we lived in Belarus. We've been serving in that part of the world 26 years. And for five years, some of you know, I was exiled from Belarus. Uh, they mistakenly thought I was a threat to the national security of Belarus and uh, uh, rather than one of their best friends sent by the Lord to help them out. But uh, um, so I spent a lot of time in Ukraine during those five years especially and so lots of friends throughout Ukraine. And when we got a call on the morning 5 a.m. February 24th, from one of our leaders in Belarus and said, Ukraine has been attacked by Russia. We were in shock. We were heartbroken. 
but we immediately felt compelled by the compassion of the Lord. And I'm going to talk a lot about compassion today. We were immediately compelled by the compassion of the Lord to do everything that we could to help the suffering people of Ukraine. Believers, Jewish people, and all the people of Ukraine. All the people of Ukraine. And so, uh, my wife normally would lead us through this slideshow, uh, but I'll try to fill in. This is a tough job. Uh, there's so many things that she does better than me. I do a few things better than her, but very few. And uh, so, I'm just so grateful for all of you guys that have a good wife. You know what I'm talking about. What a gift, you know. And uh, treat them Treat them the way they deserve, you know. There are, there are partners, our friends, they deserve to be loved the way Yeshua loves all of us, to be honored and cherished. You guys agree? All right. Women, you owe me big time now. Okay. Uh, all right. So let's go through the slideshow. Uh, we're going to... Put up the first slide, and then we're going to show the video. Okay, this is a new initiative, Compassion for the Suffering People of Ukraine. And just, you know, you've all seen the suffering, but I want to just show a, a brief video to give you, you haven't seen this video, uh, brief video. Um, I'm pretty sure you haven't seen this video. This is what Russia bombardment, artillery, and rockets are doing to cities, turning them into ash. It's where people lived, people like you and me. Не хочеться жодного зайвого слова. На нашій землі побувало концентровано зло. Вбивці, коти, гвалтівники, мародери. Вистріли, вистріли, а потім як почали рватися снаряди, та як почали вирватися. А в людей, що вони пробили, це страшне. Влазили, грабили, це саме, все порозкидали. Страшне. Провода всі, оборвані, все. Ну, ужас. Тисячі людей вбитих і закатованих з відрубаними кінцівками, з галантованих жінків, вбиті діти. Я думаю, що це більше, ніж це є геноцидак.
So I, I just want to say, uh, you know, some of you may have heard reports that Ukraine, they stage all of this stuff, it's not real. Well, I have friends of 25 years that love the Lord, that are people of high integrity, that have been to these places to bring aid, to rescue people while the bombing was happening. And all of this is 100%. Unfortunately, we all wish it was a dream, but it is all 100% real. It's 100% real. Okay, let's go to the next slide, please. At the beginning, God put three scriptures on my heart. And uh, the first one was Hebrews 13, 3b. These scriptures just came right to me. Uh, remember those who are suffering as if you were suffering with them. I have 11 grandchildren. These two kids... We met in a refugee center at the beginning of the war, the refugee center that we were helping. No more friends, no more home, no more school. And they're living in a hall like this with mattresses that we help buy because Generous people in generous churches like this sent support to help us to help those people. We couldn't have done it without friends like you. And, uh, you know, and the elderly and the moms just goes on and on. And they're sleeping wood pallets on a mattress, you know, in a room like this. And, you know, at the beginning when we met them, they're thinking, you know, maybe in a few weeks we can go home. But then... We have a staff member that's staying in Ukraine ongoing, but we went back to Israel because we're also helping in Israel. I'll tell you about that. Uh, um, and when we went back about two and a half months later, same people are still there, you know, and that's their home for now because many of them don't have a home anymore. Next slide, please. So, uh, Approximately 11 million Ukrainians so far, that's one quarter of the population, 11 million. That's kind of almost all of New York City. They've had to leave their homes. Uh, many of them fled to Europe. Many Jewish people have fled to Israel. But millions of them have decided to stay in western Ukraine. Russia is 
primarily now attacking eastern and southern, though they hit other parts of Ukraine with long-range missiles. Uh, so they fled to western Ukraine to relative safety where, you know, they're not being attacked. And so congregations, Messianic Jewish congregations and churches like yours overnight turned themselves into refugee centers. They had no experience. They had no training. They had no funding. They just knew they had to do it. And so we came alongside uh, uh, two of them in the western Ukraine city of Chernovsky to help them get equipped and feed the people. And it's the support, like I say, of churches and friends and congregations like you that enable us to do that. That's some of the 40 mattresses that we bought in Ukraine. That was quite an experience. We're running through the aisles with like 10 mattresses, you know, of this store, you know. And uh, never bought that many mattresses, but we're glad we were able to. And uh, actually, this couple was one of the couples that were there at the beginning, and then I met almost three months later, you know. And we're helping to feed people. So next slide, please. And uh, man, did I meet amazing people in Romania. And I know the Poles and the Czechs were like this, and many in Europe. At the beginning of the war, people were just opening their homes to take in. And it was mostly the elderly and mothers with children, because the men 18 to 60 have to stay in the country. Not all of them are serving in the armed forces. One reason they, they can't is they don't have enough guns for all of them. And, uh, but so it's mostly the elderly and uh, you know, mothers and children. And the Romanians and the others uh, where they were fleeing, sometimes they, they would be waiting online in the cold. I tell you, when I got there in, in early March, it was freezing cold. And, uh, when we would get out of the van at the border to, you know, check passports, if I was out there 20 minutes, I was already, hmm, and people were waiting online sometimes longer than 24 hours in the cold, and they had with them all of their possessions, two little plastic bags or a couple of small suitcases. <coughs> that was it. That was it. So remember, you know, just... I think God wants us as the body of Messiah to have compassion and to kind of put ourselves in their shoes, you know. Next, uh, oh, so, and just go back to that a minute, I'm sorry. So, and others, Ukrainians, these guys are like, some of them were wild cowboys, you know, and they, they just said, we're going into the hardest hit areas to bring food because in, in many places to this day in Ukraine, hard to imagine, can't get food, but not only food, water, drinking water, drinking water. My friend Rabbi Andre, who's in the Donetsk region, which is getting really hit, uh, he said we get water delivered every three days days. And if you miss it, you got to wait three more days. And we're concerned now that it may only come once every seven days. And, uh, you know, I didn't really ask him, why don't you leave? But he kind of 
you know, understood that he should explain it. And, and these people just, you know, what can you say? I'm greatly moved when I hear he said, I can't leave. He can leave physically, but I can't leave. He said, the people need me. You know, I'm feeding the people. And he said, I was a, an alcohol, I was a, uh, um, I'm trying to find the English word, because I've been speaking a lot of Russian these days. Ukrainians speak Russian, and, and, and Ukrainian, I only know Russian, so they speak freely to us in Russian. So I was addicted to narcotics. That's it. I was uh, addicted to narcotics, and I was a bandit. I was in prison for 22 years. And uh, Yeshua, Jesus, rescued me and changed my life. I have a prison ministry also. It's about 40 kilometers away, but now with all the checkpoints and the bombings, <coughs> it takes me a day to get back and forth. Get back and forth. He said, I can't leave. I can't leave. These people need me. Next slide, please. So Rabbi Andre is one of many Christian leaders or Messianic leaders that we are partnering with. Many of these people I have known for more than 25 years. So these are people that we know and that we trust so we know if we send help to them, it's not going to go in their pockets, so to speak. It's going to go to serve the people in the name of the Lord, Yeshua, Jesus. And so we are helping in Kharkiv, which is getting bombarded like crazy again now. We are helping in the Donetsk region, which is a real hot spot. We are helping in the city of Mykolaiv, which Russia is seeking to turn into dust like they did the city of Mariupol and what kind of things you saw here. We are helping in the city of Odessa. We are helping in the city of Verdichev, which is so far been pretty safe, but their, their population has increased by thousands, and the Messianic rabbi there is feeding uh, 350 people every single day. Because even, even if people can buy food, and in areas where they're not being bombarded, they can still buy food. And even in some of those areas that are being bombarded. But since the beginning of the war, most of the people have no work. And so most of the people were paycheck to paycheck kind of people. And so they don't have any money to buy food. So it's like one thing after another, you know. It's like a domino effect of just hardship, hardship. We're helping in, in the city of Lviv, which is the we western Ukraine. We're helping in the city of Uzhgorod, where there's a lot of refugees. And we're helping in the city of Chernovtsi, where the population has gone from 250,000 to 370,000 with all of these internally displaced people from the east and the south uh, coming to the west of Ukraine in hopes that they don't want to leave the country. They're hoping they can go back home to something, you know, sometime soon, which doesn't seem likely, you know, that they'll be able to go soon. And uh, 
we've been able to purchase because of the generous support of our friends and partners like you four vans. Right at the beginning, we used the funds, and the outpouring of support was so amazing at the beginning. But as you can imagine, and it's, it, I'm not saying this in a negative way, you know, it's just the reality. Uh, and the people in Ukraine, they understand it too. At the beginning, there was such a tremendous outpouring of support. I was in awe, like just people I had never heard of or ever sent us a, a penny were sending us money to help the people of Ukraine. But as time goes along, you probably notice that it's not in the headlines very often anymore. Uh, and, you know, people begin to get busy with other things. It's normal. I understand it, you know. But God has called me and my wife to be a voice to let the body of Messiah, the body of Christ, know what's going on. And I want you to know that the suffering is not decreasing. The number of people that are suffering is increasing. And the suffering of the people who are suffering is multiplying. Well, that's the way it is, sadly. So these vans have been essential right from the beginning because they would... Uh, <laughs> And we're serving with some unbelievably courageous people. At the beginning, you remember, they, they came down from Belarus and they wanted to take the capital city, Kiev, right? And that you saw what they did to the suburbs of Kiev. That was a lot of that. And a northern town called Chernigov. And Chernigov was just getting hit and hit and hit. And it was occupied for a time. And... Uh, um, our partners, our friends, uh, were mobilizing caravans of, of these minibuses, these vans, to take food and medicine into these areas at the risk of their own lives and then take the women and children and elderly out. And they were doing this day after day, and they continue to do it. Now they're doing it in Kharkiv and in the Donetsk area and, you know, and so these vans were so critical, so critical, because they were bringing, they were evacuating people to safety, saving their lives, many of them, you know, and uh, bringing life-saving food and water and medicine to the people. You know, and, and to give you an idea of the medicine, imagine you're on heart medicine that you take every day, or you're on diabetes medicine that you take every day. Well, there ain't no more. You know, these are things that you don't really think of in, in all of this, and they don't really report it, but this is the people side of things, you know. Next slide, please. Okay, now we're moving to Israel. You say, what does Israel have to do with the war in Ukraine? Well, Ukraine had, and still does, a huge Jewish population. And so many of the Jewish people, instead of fleeing to Europe, they chose to flee to the Jewish homeland, Israel. And so my daughter Miriam, who's an Israeli citizen, <coughs> was also greatly moved. And uh, she started an initiative called House Into Home. 
And the purpose of this initiative is what? Uh, so imagine you're coming to Israel with a couple of plastic bags and a couple of suitcases maybe, and you don't know the language. You didn't expect to move here. You don't know the culture. You don't know how to navigate. And so Miriam and our team on the ground that normally serves Holocaust survivors, you know, we serve survivors throughout the country, we've asked them to designate some of their time to this and there's other volunteers helping. So we're helping the people navigate the new life, finding a true friend that's demonstrating the love of Yeshua, and uh, we're even helping people find apartments and partially furnish them so that at least they have a refrigerator, kitchen table, and some beds to sleep on, because many of them don't have the money to get this. They're supported by the Israeli government for about a month. They're put in hotels, they're fed, but then they got to make it on their own, you know, and so we're there, and, uh, you know, just a, 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 a quote that has stood out in my mind uh, ever since I heard it, this one uh, um, Ukrainian family, I believe it was the wife who said it, because uh, the husband was able to get out, he was from uh, Azerbaijan, so he wasn't a Ukrainian, and he, uh, she said, uh, you know, if your God makes people like you, I want to believe in your God. Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? Yeah. You know, if your God makes people like you, I want to believe in your God. Because they were experiencing this sacrificial love. Why do you do this? Because <laughs> it's our God who cares about you and cares about you through us, you know. So uh, we have helped furnish, uh, find and furnish 20 apartments. We have helped 200 people with essentials of life, clothing and personal care items, etc. And we have 500 people who are on our waiting list. 500 people who have contacted us that need help. So, And we can only help them when we have partnerships like, like here. Okay, next. Oh, and by the way, go back to that again. I'm sorry. So what you see in the top slide there, I got I to gotta tell you a few more stories here. Okay, what you see, Jeff said I, this service goes till one, right? <laughs> okay, so uh, what you see there is a Passover celebration that we, in coordination with some other ministries, uh, organized and sponsored for 80 Jewish-Ukrainian refugees. Now, if you know anything about the Passover celebration, the Seder, at the end of the Seder, Jewish people in the diaspora, meaning outside of Israel, we always say next year in Jerusalem. Well, for these Ukrainian Jews, Passover was this year in Jerusalem, and we had the honor of giving them their first Passover ever in the Jewish homeland. This fellow here on the left, 80 years old, fled his home from Kharkiv, and uh, my daughter got COVID, 
And soon after he got to Israel, he got COVID. And so they were in the same COVID uh, room, so to speak. And nobody was speaking his language, but my daughter speaks Russian. So she became very close to him. And uh, we've helped him and his family from beginning to end, and now they're in an apartment in uh, central Israel, and so grateful. And three people have already, just in this short time, embraced Yeshua, Jesus, because of the sacrificial love that they're being shown. And a number of visiting my daughter's congregation and some other congregations as well. And this woman on the right, is a Holocaust survivor. So she had to flee decades ago in the Holocaust and had to flee again. And she is, she's such a wonderful, wonderful person that God is just touching with the love of the Jewish Messiah who's the savior of the world. Next slide, please. So just so you know, we continue our ministry. We haven't stopped everything else, though a great part of our energy and focus has gone to help the suffering people of Ukraine. We continue to serve Holocaust survivors throughout the land of Israel and uh, throughout Belarus. And I'm overwhelmingly overjoyed to tell you that since the beginning of the pandemic, 21 Holocaust survivors have received Yeshua. And I want you to know, it wasn't at a big meeting where they raised their hands and we don't know what happened to them. We, our modus operandi is loving people into the kingdom of God one at a time. And I love this, the way this is up here. You know, uh, I, I celebrated my 70th this year. And hopefully you get a little wiser when you get a little older, or you know, you, you hope a little bit, right? And so, you know, at this stage in my life, I mean, I guess to some degree or another, I've always been this way since I met the Lord, but even more so. There's nothing more that I like about life than doing what's right in the eyes of my Lord and loving being kind to people. I mean, when I'm kind to people, it's like, you know, Something really good happens to me, like I'm blessed, like it's more blessed to give than receive. And uh, live humbly, probably that's my harder one, live humbly before God. Don't tell anybody, okay? So, uh, you know, but uh, I'm motivated, you know. And I think this should be our primary motivations in life, shouldn't it? I mean, God bless you all in your careers. God bless you all in your, your pursuits and whatever they are, but to do what's right in God's eyes, to love being kind, which is, goes with compassion, and uh, to live humbly before our God, to know that we're not God and He is, and even if we don't like everything that's going on in this world, and even if we don't see answers to prayer when we want them or in the way that we want them, and even though we have disappointments with God, 
you can be like the psalmist and you can be like the Jewish prophets that say, how long, O Lord? You know, we've heard of your works before, how long? And then they end usually something like this, you know, because God lets us go through this, but then they end with something like this. But even if the fig tree doesn't blossom and there's no cows in the stall and nothing's going right in the physical, I'm paraphrasing now, I'm going to praise you because I have tasted and seen that you are good and nothing will steal that from me. No circumstance, no disappointment, no nothing, you know, and I'm broken hearted. Do you, you can ask me, would I like to see President Putin and all of his cronies, if they don't repent of their sins publicly and change their behavior, would I like to see him have a sudden heart attack? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's not happening right now. You know, and he's continuing his evil. And I want, I want to also tell you something that just came to mind. It's kind of like a side note. You, don't, you guys don't mind side notes, do you? Okay. You know, Hitler and his crew said, you tell a lie long enough and you tell it big enough, people will believe it. And you can trust me, these guys, Putin and his team, they're masters at this. They are masters. They practice. And they got their whole machine going. Their whole machine going to the point where sometimes, you know, Ukrainians are married to Russians and Russians to Ukrainians. And they got their sister in Russia and living in Ukraine. And sometimes the Ukrainians, I hear these stories, I call my sister in Russia and I tell her that please, Tell him to stop. They're destroying our lives, our cities. And the sister in Russia says, it's your, your fascists that are doing it in Ukraine. And they go, no, 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 it's your Russian. It has a big Z on it, you know, it's your Russian. No, 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 that's not happening. Can you imagine? This is such a demonic evil. When I saw Putin... Uh, Speaking near the beginning of the war, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, he's in touch with demonic evil on a new level. New level. So, next slide, please. We take the survivors to biblical sites where they get to, in a very natural way, and I like to say that, in a very natural way, they hear about Yeshua. So it's not preached at them, it's kind of talked to them and with them, you know, and that opens people's hearts. Next slide. And hey, be looking for our first book soon. We have a whole lot of e-books, by the way, on our website, uh, reachii.org, R-E-A-C-H-I-I.org. I had a whole a uh, bunch of newsletters that were supposed to arrive so that I could give them to you, but uh, the United States Postal Service doesn't exactly work the way it used to, I noticed, and so those did not arrive, but I will get them to uh, Pastor Jeff, and uh, he can pass them to you uh, hopefully next Sunday. Uh, but you can go to our website, reachii.org, R-E-A-C-H-I-I.org, 
And uh, we have a lot of e-books that we've already put together for folks on different topics that you might find uh, inspirational and helpful. But this is our first uh, full-length book, Behind the Curtain, The Candles Burn. And it's the story of the Jewish people of Belarus, pre-war Holocaust, post-war suffering in communist times, and then after communist times when we and our teams came into their lives. It's told through the eyes of 15 of our dear friends who are survivors, 14, and this is what makes the book really unique, 14 of them have come to the Lord. 14 of them come to the Lord. So be on the lookout for that. And if you don't get our e-news, uh, I left a sheet out in the back. We send uh, e-news out uh, every week, update on Ukraine and different things. Um, you can uh, sign up to get our e-news out back. And also we post a lot on Facebook about wh what what's going on in Ukraine and other, other aspects of the ministry. So... Uh, Next slide, please. We're still loving on orphans. We're still loving on kids with cancer. These are initiatives that God birthed through my wife in Belarus. Uh, she has a real heart of compassion and mercy. Next. Uh, Camp Khalatsim coming up. For those of you who've been getting our e-news, you know that we've been talking about that uh, recently. 180 Children and teens in Belarus will attend uh, these sleepaway camps called Camp Khalatsim, Khalatsim of Pioneers. And uh, these are fun-packed, life-transforming camps. And we have many young people in our congregations, the four throughout Belarus, that serve in our congregations today because they found Yeshua at camp. So uh, life in Belarus is, is real hard. The people are oppressed and repressed. And so our team was wondering, should we do camp this year? And we said, absolutely, we have to do this. And uh, so we're excited about doing three different ones in three different locations in Belarus. Next slide, please. Sunrise after more than two years of COVID closure. Hallelujah. Finally, our Messianic Guest House and Outreach Center in the Himalayas where Israelis normally flock shopping spirituality from Eastern gurus. We're there so they can come to our store, so to speak, and find the truth. And uh, so they're starting to come back, and we're real glad about that. Next slide, please. Or that's the last one, I think, right? Okay. Okay. So that's that. I want to go back to uh, compassion. I just want to nail this a little bit more. So I looked up a number of de definitions of compassion to give us a few different angles on it. You can take the slide down now. Thank you for your work on that. Compassion, number one, literally means to suffer together. Among emotion researchers, it is defined as the feeling that arises when you are confronted with another suffering and feel motivated to relieve that suffering. Compassion is not the same of, as empathy or altruism, though the concepts are related. Number two definition, 
To have compassion means to empathize with someone who is suffering and feel compelled to reduce the suffering. So there's the action part always. It's not just the feeling. Compassion is a concern for the welfare and well-being of others. And the last one I like a lot. The meaning of compassion is to recognize the suffering of others and then to take action to help. You know, throughout the scriptures, we see that God calls us to be a people of compassion in both the Tanakh, the Old Testament, and the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament. And oftentimes, we see Yeshua moved with compassion. You can go look that up. He was moved with compassion, which then led him to act to relieve the suffering of the people. Sometimes he fed them. Sometimes he healed them. Sometimes he spoke comforting words to them, whatever it was. He was moved by compassion. He acted. And, uh, you know, it's interesting when you also follow the Jewish disciples, the Talmudim of Yeshua, you see they were often moved with compassion. Now I want to give you an idea of how this love of God and compassion worked for them because don't forget at that point in history, Jewish people were told to separate out from the idol worshiping Gentiles so that they wouldn't be contaminated by their idol worship so that they would maintain the worship of the God of Israel, the God of heaven and earth. But now God is saying through Yeshua, now is the days more than ever, although it was part of Israel's commission always, now is the days more than ever where you need to bring the love of the God of Israel to the idol-speaking, idol-worshipping peoples of the nations. And so here's a people like, you know, Kind of picture it for yourself. Here's a people that in the natural you separated yourself from so you wouldn't be contaminated by their worship of idols and demons. And now you're called to go to them to bow the knee and in love tell them, you know, hey, the living God, he wants to set you free from that. He really loves you. That's a lot of compassion being demonstrated. And compassion often calls us to crucify. To crucify what? Crucify the fact that we're all super busy people. We all have our problems. We all have our needs. You know, we all have the things that waste our time. Anybody else have things that waste your time? I kind of really try to keep those to a minimum. I'm sure you do too. And so we have to kind of crucify some of that in order to not just have a feeling of compassion, but to have the action that goes along with it so that we're really imitators of the kind of compassion that Yeshua modeled for us and teaches us to have and to love being kind to others. Love being kind to others. Now, I want to tell you what I'm going to share with you right now is available to every single one of you, and I'm sure most of you have experienced this. But yesterday, I, I don't know why I'm telling this story now. I wasn't planning on it. Yesterday, I arrived in Syracuse, New York, 
from Atlanta with my wife at noon, two o'clock, we're s sitting outside, uh, and my friend lives in the inner city of Syracuse. We're sitting outside, and uh, we hear things like firecrackers, but then we hear a bunch of guys yelling at each other, and we realize it's gunshots. Two o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm thinking it's eight or ten gunshots. And uh, then we go in the house, and then we look out the front, and one guy's laying, bleeding pretty bad, shot in the leg. Another guy was uh, in a car, and he crashed into a tree. He's dead. He's finished. And the other guy's going to recover. And so uh, after that, I'm later in the day, I'm sitting on the porch with my friend's son, and he has a good friend who's in that neighborhood because they've lived in that neighborhood. And uh, uh, this young man that he was talking to, I'm just like sitting there. So like Max is here, I'm here, and this young man's on the you know, steps of the porch. You know, he's about 22 or, or so. And uh, they're talking, and then I just say, you know, I just say something or other to interject and let him know I was glad to meet him. And God gives me this love for this guy. I mean, I don't know this guy from a hole in the wall. He's another culture. He's another color. He's dark-skinned, you know. And uh, this compassion, I mean, this is nothing special about Rabbi Stewart. I want you to get this. This is when we connect, see, because I love being kind to others. You know, he's, I feel like I love this kid like he's my son. Literally. And so as I'm listening to talk, the Lord gives me a word for him. I said, you know, when I listen to you talking, you know, I, you just have such a kind heart. I said, does anybody ever tell you, you you might have a call to be a pastor? He said, well, my grandfather's a pastor. I said, you know, I think God wants to use you to help many people. You've been through a lot of what's gone on down here. He's Because he was talking openly about some of it. And he's free from that stuff. Uh, and, and, and. He was so sincere and so moved, and then, you know, was hanging out and talk at the end. And so I get up, you know, to go over to him, and he reaches out his hand to shake my hand. I said, I'm not going to shake your hand. I'm going to hug you. Because I found out his father, for 19 years, he didn't know him, and he reached out to him. And then uh, his father embraced him once, and then he wouldn't take any more of his calls. And when I hugged him, I just felt the Father's love for this guy, you know? And I felt like, I got to tell him, you know, your Heavenly Father will never forsake you. And he's got such an amazing plan for your life. I'd love to hear about how you just fulfill it, you know? And, and so this is, this is the kind of thing that, you know, I believe God wants more and more so that people are going to say, God makes people like you who love doing right and love being kind to others, you know. I want to believe in your God. 
want to believe in your God. So these are some great definitions of compassion. Yeshua was the example of compassion. His disciples were. You know, and I, I, I thought to myself, uh, what if it was me who was suffering? What if it was me who was in Mariupol or Butcher or Irpin? What would I hope for from others? <laughs> I would hope they would not forget me. I would hope that they would send help for my kids and my grandkids because we're kind of helpless right now, so to speak, if we were there. I would want people to not forget me even though this war has go gone and on and on. So I thought, that's how I got to be then. If that's what I would want from them, that's how I got to be. And I'm not trying to minimize, please know, this terrible suffering in Ethiopia, many other places in the world, and maybe God would lead you more to another place. But I think as God's people, we need to recognize that uh, there are many of our brothers and sisters and just people out there that just... You know, it might be uncomfortable for us when the AC doesn't work the way we want it, but they don't have food and water. And they're at risk of being, you know, bombed, and their lives ended, you know, today. So I think God really wants us to, to feel for that, you know, and then to do something, whatever we can. And for me, Ukraine... It seems to me it's one of the greatest tragedies of, of modern time. And of course, you know, it's close to me because I lived in that part of the world. I still serve in that part of the world and I know so many people personally, you know. And so that's why God has raised me and my wife up as a voice for this. And again, I think you probably agree it's one of the greatest tragedies of recent time. It's a brutal evil attack on the civilian population. Uh, the next scripture, so I shared with you one of the scriptures of the three, Hebrews 13.3b, remember those who are suffering as those you, though you are suffering with them. Here's the next one, number two, Matthew 25.34-40. This came home in a new way. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did... We see you hungry, feed you thirsty, give you something to drink. When did we see you a stranger, invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. To me, these are amazing and truly eye-opening words spoken by our master, you know, first on, on one side, what an amazing opportunity to bless the Lord, 
you know, to bless the master because he says, you know, I'm hidden in the suffering of all of these people. So when you relieve their suffering, you're blessing me. That's just his level of love and compassion. You know, that's just who he is, right? That's just who our Lord is. And so, but these, thing, these words came home fresh to me. I mean, we have shipped, for I was hungry and you've given me something to eat. We have shipped into Ukraine because of the generosity of friends like you and churches like this, over $140,000 worth of aid into the country. And we are committed to sending a minimum of $30,000 every single month as long as they need it, as long as they need it. And so we have fed thousands of people together with you, thousands. Recently, Mikolaev, a place where my friend Pastor Oleg had a very large church of a few thousand, friend 26 years, they've had no drinking water for over two months. The main pumping station was bombed out and then it was taken over by the Russians and occupied and they're not fixing it. So we've been able to ship life straws. If you've ever heard of them, they're amazing filters. You can kind of literally drink out of a puddle. So with, with in partnership with another ministry, we've gotten a thousand life straws there to families and, and soldiers who were having no water defending the city. And uh, so it came home in a new way, you know, hungry, you know, thirsty. <laughs> needed something to drink, a stranger, and you invited me in. I mean, people, 11 million people had to leave their homes. 11 million people needed clothes. They had no clothes. They had to flee with, like I said, a couple of plastic bags, a couple of suitcases. Compassion. And Galatians 6 10, therefore, as you have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So that's our order of things, you know, the family of believers, the Jewish people, all people. And we're helping everybody that we can. Every week I'm on the phone with at least one Messianic rabbi or Christian pastor. And I got to tell you, I already shared about Rabbi Andre, Pastor Oleg, the courage. I mean, the sacrificial love and courage. This is what he, he uh, said. We feel how we are truly one big family of God. Thank you for being so faithful to help us. Stuart and Chantal, please let all your partners know how much we need and appreciate their love, prayers, and support. And let them know we pray for them too. And he don't just say that. These folks are holding prayer meetings every day. Every day. And I can tell you, I've been to a lot of places in the world. I have never experienced more powerful prayer 
been in places in Ukraine. That's before the war. Those folks pray. And uh, then he, this is a little side note here from Pastor Oleg. Uh, I ask him, how you doing? He goes, well, only my wife is with me. The children and grandchildren we sent out of the city. We're good because God is with us and we feel him close. But the situation here is not easy and the work to help the people is very hard. Yeah. Imagine water being a rare commodity. I also want to tell you that we made a decision that every single dollar that goes into our Ukraine emergency fund goes to help the people, every dollar, every dollar. I just want to say, uh, as I'm exhorting you and myself to express compassion, to express the love of Yeshua, Jesus, in action, I want to tell you, you know, I don't always, maybe like many of you, I don't always find that in my life, uh, I don't get overwhelmed by the cares that are in front of me or get super busy with my responsibilities, that sometimes the room for compassion gets small in my life. So I understand that. I understand that. But I also hope that you're like me. You don't settle for that state of being. When you see it, you go, hey, 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 pause, you know, pause. Let's get back on the track here, you know, and get back to what's really important and really meaningful, you know. And let's make sure we have plenty of room, not just to be compassionate with our family members and love on them, and not just to be compassionate with our brothers and sisters in the church, which we should be. But, man, there are people out there everywhere with need upon need in your community, in your backyard, as well as in Ukraine. And so I think we all need to be really kind of, in Russian it's a great word, you know the word in, in Russian for uh, compassion is sastradania, to suffer with, to co-suffer, to co-suffer. And, and the word for, that I'm going to use now, tselustrimloni, goal-oriented. We need to be goal-oriented about being people of God. It don't just happen. We need to be goal-oriented about making plenty of room, plenty of space in our heart to have compassion for people. We need to 
be goal-oriented. We need to be focused and intentional about having plenty of room to make sacrifices for the benefit of others. Because this is what Yeshua modeled. You know, otherwise we take the risk of being consumers, consumers of the word of God, consumers of the blessing of God, you know, go there. I don't want to go there. I know you don't want to go there. You know, we want to follow. One of my life scriptures is Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, which talks about being imitators of God. Be imitators of Yeshua, therefore, and live a life of love and give and give. And as I've said before, over and over again, here in many places, it's the way we're wired. It's the most fulfilling life. If we keep trying to look for fulfillment and just taking care of me, myself, and I, our pleasures, our hobbies, our this, our that, it's the least fulfilling life. <laughs> the most fulfilling life is the way we were made and wired because it is more blessed. It is... Why do we love being kind to others? Because we see God at work in us, through us. And not everybody receives it, but many people did. That young man did, thousands in Ukraine, they just, they say over and over again, you know, it's like, it's almost embarrassing to hear. They say, thank you so much, thank you so much. I say, please don't thank me. Please just praise God and, and thank God for wonderful people in the West that have compassion, that are praying, that are sacrificing financially, you know. So, you know, yeah, I just want to close with these words. Let me encourage you one more time. That along with being moved by compassion and praying for those suffering, those less fortunate in Ukraine, those fleeing to Europe, Israel, and beyond, I believe the Lord indeed wants us to remember to reach out to those less fortunate in our own backyards, in our own communities. And I got to say, I'm a father of four and got 11 grandchildren. And I'm so proud of my four kids that each one of them, in one way or another, lead their families to show compassion for those less fortunate in their communities and, and, and beyond. And I know, and I know you know, you will be abundantly blessed and an abundant blessing to others as you take opportunity. Galatians 6 Grab the opportunities. Seek for them even. Some of them are just going to pop up. And I know I've missed too many in my life where they popped up and I was too busy, you know, to see them. But I think it's good to keep our eyes out and our antennas up to see those opportunities pop up. And then also be seeking for them. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for... Resurrection Life Church, you birthed this church. I thank you for 
Pastor Jeff and Deb and all the leaders here. Thank you for all of my spiritual mishpucha, spiritual family here, Lord God. Lord, uh, you told us in this world uh, there's going to be a lot of suffering, a lot of evil, a lot of darkness. And uh, the more we experience it, the more horrifying it is. And uh, I'm so grateful that not only do we have your example of compassion, we not only have your teachings on compassion, but we have your Holy Spirit your grace that empowers us to be compassionate. So I pray in these days of my life and, and in these days of all of our lives that more than ever, there's always a little room to grow, but more than ever, we would seize every opportunity and be seeking for opportunities every day to express compassion your love in action, Lord God, and to be willing to go out of our way to do it and to be willing to make sacrifices because I know the sacrifices are more than rewarded with your presence and the various ways that you bless us, Lord God. There's nobody like you. There's nobody worth honoring, loving, following more than you. Lord, we pray for the suffering people of Ukraine. We ask that the body of Messiah around the world would never forget them in their suffering. Lord, I've served Holocaust survivors for 26 years. I've sat in their homes, heard their stories of incredible suffering and loss. And Lord, it's not proper to compare the Holocaust with this because that was a genocide that went way beyond what's happening now in Ukraine. But the stories of individual suffering and loss, the stories of brutality against children and women and the elderly, same kind of evil, Lord. Lord, of course, we pray that this would end quick. We pray that you give the Western nations courage to do all that they need to do. That's right in your eyes to help put an end to this evil initiated by Putin and his cronies. We pray, Father, for great compassion on the people of Ukraine. Lord, we pray that that the spiritual leaders that were in partnership and all the other ones, Lord, that you would strengthen them, protect them, and help them not to grow weary, Lord, because the work is hard. And we pray, Father God, which is, I know, in the hearts of all believers in Ukraine, that there would be a tremendous revival of the body of Messiah in Ukraine and beyond that would lead to an amazing harvest of souls in Ukraine and in Russia and in Belarus and in Israel, in the United States and beyond. And Father God, we just want to play our role individually and corporately. Help us to do that better and better and help us 
to live lives that glorify you. Lord, we're weak and broken. We're all, we're all a little bit like that, Lord. We all have a little limp. It's good that we remind ourselves of that. Helps us walk more humbly before you. We're just so grateful. So grateful that we know you and you, you, you choose to use us, but not use us in the sense of use us, but we're your beloved sons and daughters, and you're, we're your messengers. You're your outstretched heart, your arms, your deeds. What a privilege. What a responsibility. Lord, I just bless every family here. For everybody here, Lord, the things that are deepest on their heart, for their families, for their own lives, I pray for special grace and new moves of your spirit in this season. Thank you that we can be together here today. Thank you that Roe versus Wade was overturned. We pray, Lord God, that there would just be, Lord, help us to be uh, of meek and gentle spirit when people are vile and evil uh, about this whole thing. Help us to be just bright, humble, loving, uncompromising lights of compassion, even for those who are vicious about this whole thing. And reverse this whole thing, Lord. Babies are, babies are nice inside their mother's wombs, and uh, they're people, and God, you made them, and you want them to be protected. And for families that went through the abortion thing, Lord, just bring healing and restoration to them. Thanks again, Lord. We love you. In Yeshua's name, amen. Rabbi Stewart was speaking. Uh, I was reminded of a scripture in the uh, chapter of John that we've been studying for quite a while. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, greater love has no man than this. And he'd lay down his life. And it goes on to say for friends. But Jesus laid down his life for everyone. We need to do the same thing. There's another portion of scripture that in the message translations, it says, put yourself aside to help others get ahead. You know, this is why we're still here. We're here because God has an avenue, an outlet, a distribution point here in the earth through you as a believer, as a child of his, all heaven can break loose through you and impact the people around you that don't know anything about heaven. All they know is the hell that they're going through here on earth. And that's what the enemy does. He's here to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, you overflowing life. And as life overflows in us, then it overflows into the lives of other people. And you don't have to go far to find people that need some overflow. But that's where we have to be willing to be uncomfortable not 
insulated, to be isolated from what's going on in other people's lives, whether it's in the Ukraine, whether it's our neighbor, whoever it is. We have to be willing to be available to God to recognize what's going on in other people's lives because God sent you. You're his hands. You're his feet. You're his voice. You're his outstretched arm of compassion. And so today may not have been what you expected, but I want you to know it was what God wanted. And that's where we have to be willing to be stretched, inconvenienced, uncomfortable, because we in America have so much. And if all you've ever done is lived here, you don't know. But like Stuart and Chantal traveling all over the world, they see what the rest of the world is dealing with. And we can see it on TV, but I'm telling you it's different when you're there. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your love for God and your prayers for, for people. Thank you for your sacrifice and giving. But that's where we're going to continue. I, I, I've shared with you over the weeks preceding this, we're... we're there's a special offering going with Stuart and Chantal back to the Ukraine that they can use it right away. And it's, it's, it's a special offering. It's something that we have been directed by God to do. And so if you want to be a part of that, you know, make out your checks or, or grab one of the envelopes, put the information on it that it's for the Ukraine, it'll go directly towards that. But if you'd stand right now, Rabbi Stuart, would you come up? If you just reach your hands out to uh, Rabbi Stewart, and also it's, uh, he's standing in proxy for Chantal, too, and for the ministry. Uh, Father, we thank you right now for this vessel, this couple that you are using in monumental, transformational, eternal ways. And Father, we thank you for all that you've been able to do. But Father, we pray that there would be just a new open door a greater anointing, a greater strategy, Father, being so strategic from your view in, in how to go about what you have. Father, we thank you for all of those that have been helped. But Father, we know that you are taking uh, Rabbi Stuart and Chantal and Reach uh, Initiative International from glory to glory. And so we, we believe that there'll be more people supporting them prayerfully and financially, and that, Father, their reach and their impact and influence would multiply beyond anything they've imagined or dreamed. Lord, we just thank you for blessing them and their family. We thank you for the gift that they are. And, Father, we just thank you for the kingdom connection, allowing us the privilege to be able to partner with them in this. And we thank you for blessing them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just want to pray for you before you leave. Heavenly Father, we thank you for every person here. We thank you for your presence with them. We thank you for your plan for them that's for good, with a future and a hope. We thank you, Father, for going before them and preparing the way this week. We thank you for guiding their steps along your path by your spirit, for your glory, and the impact of your kingdom. Wherever they go, your kingdom is at hand. And so, Father, help us to see ourselves as you see us, because 
you see us as instruments, vessels of honor in your hand to impact those that you so love you gave your son. Father, help us to give ourselves to you and away to others. Lord, we thank you for the opportunities that you present to us and reveal to us this week in Jesus' name. And everyone said, have a great week.